Hi everyone, this is Morgan Phelps with Acuity Brands. Welcome back to the Women in Sustainability Design the Future podcast. We have created this podcast to elevate the voices of women driving sustainable practices in the built environment. We hope you find their stories inspirational and helpful to the work that you do. The hosts for these conversations are industry veterans, Lindsay Baker and Kiara Gold. Let's get started. Hi everyone. Thanks for joining us again this week on Women in Sustainability Design the Future. Uh, we're so happy to be back. Uh, hey, Kira, how's it going? Very well, thanks. It's it's summer. We're um, you know we're in it. We're dealing with summer of pandemic. I think yeah. we were all hoping it would be summer maybe after a first wave, but <laughs> yeah. apparently in the U.S., we like the first wave so much that we decided to just carry it on through. Yeah, exactly. Just I'm, keep that wave rolling. Yeah. You bet. I'm feeling a little frustrated by that, but, um, you know, it is what it is, and I don't yeah. know, not yeah. feeling super psyched about how American individualism and maybe even American exceptionalism is serving us right now on this front. Amen. I know it is not, it is not fun at all. Uh, it's just, just such a strange thing um, to, to really be able to compare the way that we're handling it with other countries. And, right. Um, you know, I mean, America has its, uh, its, its pros and cons. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. Well, it's an unusual experiment, as you're pointing out. I mean, it's this vast external global force that is sort of showing how different um, societies are able to respond to this particular thing. And it's really hard not to imagine that that's, you know, a corollary for how we're going to respond to various climate things in the future, but yeah, um, concerning yeah. a little bit on that front. I know. Yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, I, you know, I think it's a, it's an, it's been important for the climate community to have these conversations about yes. uh, what works with Americans and, um, and what, you know, what are the forces that we're, that we're working against um, with Americans, you know, changing eye opening to try to figure out how we're going to address those things all at once and that's yeah. you know a big challenge in turn including all the inequity issues and how those relate to climate and and all of it yeah so. yeah exactly yeah and it's i think um I, I i've been noticing more significantly in the past couple of weeks the ways in which uh people seem to be grappling with this issue of environmental racism as being sort of a, a front and center mm -hmm. uh, fundamental. And uh, yeah, it was, um, oh man, I'm going to forget who this quote was, but it was something that I read and um, it, it might actually been that uh, the article that you sent me that was from the New York Times, this, this gentleman that's the president of the Ford Foundation. Darren Walker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he just had a bunch of really great stuff to say uh, for listeners that wouldn't have read that article yet. It's a terrific piece. It's really stuck with me, I have to say. Um, he really talks about that, you know, being what, what we, the beneficiaries of a system that per perpetuates inequality, what we're willing to give up and how we need to adapt this, the whole system. You know, yeah. I mean, it's quite powerful. Yeah, I just thought that was... I, you know, it was just funny to me when I read the piece, I was like, what? This is something that I've felt for a while, but mm -hmm. he just really did such an incredible job of, of pointing a very specific, uh, you know, finger at this issue. And the headline itself is something along the lines of what are you, 
willing to give up? What are you exactly willing to sacrifice? And that just to, to me has been such a such a mantra that, that I think about um, both with um, climate and with racism in 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 my life and my community. All of these things. Uh, yep. He just he put it so well. Yep. Um, and I really you know it's it started to I think get me thinking about how you make these same points. Um, to other people in a way that kind of creates space for people to start thinking about the privileges that they, that they need to give up um, Indeed. to think Indeed. about what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the title was literally, are you willing to give up your privilege? Right. And I think he got it and he listed, there was a huge list in there of the, you know, what, what that looks like for, for many of us and what yeah. some of the, what it, you know, we think of many of us are very hard workers, but we had a lot of help up right yeah. <laughs> along the way and we don't acknowledge it. It is not something that we that we think of as part of how we got to where we are. And it is really enlightening to try to look at that landscape and then figure out which, you know, what, what we're willing to to part with yeah. as part of the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so many things. I mean, it's, you know, like I've been thinking about Facebook and Amazon this week um, yeah. a lot. And um, <laughs> I, I am a person who has largely tried to give up the privilege of Amazon um, for the sake of lots of things. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and it is, it is an act that um, it feels, it feels like the right thing to do, but it is surreal. You sure. know, it, it takes uh, time and effort to, to not buy the thing that is um, going in, essentially to not buy from the company that is going to give you the quickest, oh, uh, sure. cheapest version. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's, well, it's especially hard right now and you can't actually go places to shop yeah. for things. Um, I totally agree. It's, and Amazon is easier in some ways. I mean, you certain parts of it, like you can do the book thing. You can develop a relationship with a local bookstore yeah. pretty easily. And then the turnaround time, you can get used to that lag a little bit. But for certain other things, I don't even know where to find certain other things exactly. anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, it's taken, it's been an annoying process for sure. Yes. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a commitment. It is a commitment for yeah, sure. Like I was looking for some particular type of Tupperware, you know, like that's it. I don't remember <laughs> what exactly it was. And I was like, there's no other place. But yeah, it's uh, these, well, you know. Yes. First world problems for sure, but uh, it's, it, I, I think they, I think his point and the article itself are really worth reading. It's, um, it's a, you know, he's not talking about the ability to buy Tupperware. He's talking about like, you know, the real serious things that you right. can learn. No, it's, it's a on. really great piece. And it's a part of the New York Times is the America we need, I think is what it, the series is called. Um, and it, I really think it's, global in the way that it sort of backs up from all of this, but includes all of it, right? It's not about climate and it's not just about um, racial injustice, but it includes all of those things. And it really, uh, it's, I th found it super powerful. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of super powerful, let's introduce our <laughs> guest for the day. Uh, um, we have Kimberly Lewis on the show today and we're so excited. Hey, Kimberly. Hey, how are you, Lindsay and Kira? Thank you for having me. 
We're great. We're so happy that you're here. Um, so happy that we get to spend some time with you and that our listeners will get to spend some time with, with you and your amazing presence. Um, so Kimberly is the Senior Vice President for Market Transformation and Development in the U.S. at the U.S. Green Building Council. Um, she's focused on diversity, inclusion, equity, and advancing transparency and excellence within the green building market. And I also just want to share my earliest memory of Kimberly, which is when I started at the USGBC, it was probably a few months after you started, maybe six months or so. I don't know. But I started in, in March of 2004. And I remember that you invited me to come with you all to a, like it was a kickboxing class. Yeah. And I was um, so impressed. Awesome. And I was so excited that like my coworkers went to a kickboxing class together, but it's my first memory of you. Is, is oh, that's awesome. A badass at a kickboxing class. So. <laughs> I think that's a good memory. I, one of, one of the things that I'm known for is that my competitive edge. I see. So <laughs> for sure, a part of that boxing effort was to um, fight the invisible powers that be and, shaking off the frustrations to get back to the work. <laughs> yeah. 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 We all, we, we, we needed that for sure. I'm, and, and yeah, I remember it very well. It's like, I don't know, just an inspiring way to, to spend a little time after work. I wish I'd kept going. I think, I think I, I think I wimped out, uh, but <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so let's talk more about Kimberly. Yeah. Well, I think we could, I could use a little more kickboxing right now, actually. And I'm really happy that we have kickboxing as a topic on a podcast. I didn't really see that coming. So awesome. Way to go, girls. Um, <laughs> Kimberly, I think we should start, if we could, um, with getting a sense from you about your path and how and why you got involved in the green building industry. Sure. Um, well, I, I guess what, what intersection, I will say that um, I myself have had a myriad of, of wonderful opportunities, worked for a um, leading um, Democratic senator and then governor on the Hill and um, moved from there to work for civil rights icon, Marion Wright Edelman, as she was... Um, just had written her biography and was able to chart that journey as well and then went into the corporate world and saw myself um, really having the ability to um, present great sales rollouts and um, contests that would incentivize um, global sales leaders to build more. And my CEO was the darling of Wall Street at that time in the late 90s. And I'll never forget um, how exciting it was to do these marketing and events all around the world. And, you know, being a preacher's daughter and um, the also daughter of an educator, those experiences were never offered in, as I as I was growing up. And so having the ability to work and experience the world and build with no budget was unbelievably awesome. I'm moving from Prague to Ibiza to Maldives to spending a month in Hawaii planning these events. And um, the only, I guess the other side of the coin was the same time we were spending lavishly 
um, that same leadership was um, misrepresenting um, the outcomes of the business and was doing a lot of transparency, not transparency, but some really unethical maneuvers to keep the company and in the top sphere of the telecom industry. And so I went from experiencing the heights and opening up my eyes as, an, as a young African-American woman to the global world and um, learning so much, but then feeling like what was all of this access and lavish experience, what was it built on? And it mm. really was built on the fact that once the company went bankrupt, they were still sending us out to incentivize the sales team and spend more and, and offer these lavish um, incentives while they had sheriffs in the lobby walking people out that had been with the company since high school and the finance team and the ops team and the, those silent voices. And I remember coming back um, from one big event and seeing these folks and just feeling like, you know, what is going on here? We've got sheriffs with rifles, you know, they're concerned people are going to come back and blow the place up. And I remember my boss saying, oh, this is the price of business. We'll evolve. Keep, you keep doing what you're doing. And it was a really tough moment for me to, um, experience both sides of that coin, mm -hmm. especially from where I come from, where my um, church community and my family, um, really, uh, I saw those folks in the lens of that could be my family, that could be my neighbor. And it really brought into, I would say, conflict for me. Am I actually living out the values that I've been taught? and that I thought I expressed. And so of course, when um, the company was going into default, I started putting my resume out, looking, looking anxiously. And I remember the headhunter for USGBC, they had just um, executed their event in Austin and they were looking to, um, to really, it was gonna be just one event. They decided they wanted to build their full conference platform and they needed a leader. And I remember saying to myself, you know, this is a great opportunity, but nonprofit, are you kidding me? What about my quarterly bonuses? <laughs> and so, um, but the headhunter is like, no, go there. You really need to check them out. I think you'll resonate with, with um, who they are. Um, went there begrudgingly. I want to say it. I am not a green builder, you know, sustainability, you know, was my younger brother's pathway and passion. And to today, he's bitter that I have the job that I have <laughs> as, as, as a huge educator in the sciences. Um, but when I went there, I'll never forget, I went in the door focusing on, you know, what would I give up? And by the end of that day, having experienced um, and we interviewed for the board and the founders, and they talked about sustainability, and I had the ability to travel to see a um, green school in Grand Rapids, um, Michigan private school where there was the trees were growing out of the center of the school and I thought about my mother being a principal in Baltimore City schools and 
and just the, as I say, two sides of the coin, what she experienced in supporting her facility, what I was experiencing there, where the kids were actually working their own food garden and mm -hmm. everything was so hands-on and they were talking about um, allowing them to measure the performance. And I'm like, this is an elementary school. What is going on here? And I remember just being so disheartened around all of this beauty, all of this abundance, which is what always resonates with me. And why wasn't that available to all? And so shifted my viewpoint. I accepted the job. Of course, the pay cut. Of course, no more quarterly bonuses. Of course, my colleagues were, were executing in Portugal because the company was bought out by a new, a new telecom company. And they're like, where are you executing, Kimberly? And I said, Pittsburgh. And truly, when you look at it from that lens, you would think, they were like, well, when you're ready to come back on our side, doors open. And after visiting that school, and being able to experience the green building community when we launched in Pittsburgh, I realized, no, this is the season and the place that I belong, not just for myself, but for the people that I care about the most. Low and moderate income communities that have no idea the world that the green building community was opening up. And I wanted to be a part of building that. Kimberly, that's an awesome story. I've known you for a long time, but I've never really heard the whole career arc prior to, I mean, I've known you really only while you were at GBC. So that's terrific to hear all that background of that. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, when you talk to young people who are, who are thinking about or trying to make their way in this industry or, or in the green building community more generally, um, what do you, how do you counsel them on what they should, what they should be looking at in terms of forging that path for themselves? I think what is important is not, I think a lot of times people sit, segment their lives. Mm -hmm. It's my personal me, my spiritual me, and oh, this is what I do. And I am the example of how all of those things can come together. And you can create a professional journey that supports the health of all of those things. And I think that is where the passion comes in because the work that you do is really speaking to the core of what you believe in. I'm, I've got um, some good mentors out there and they talk about this world needs a values revolution. Mm -hmm. and, and, and revolutionizing that means that you feel the ability that you can take the risk to step out and define your pathway based upon what is authentically what you believe and what you've been raised to believe, what you feel strongly about, and that you can create impact while creating a life as well and, um, and bringing all of those things together. And so I am the example of a person that if I define things as most young people do by, wow, how much I make, you know, my title, all those pieces, you would think that I, I would need to be in Portugal um, <laughs> with my corporate team. And the next place they were doing, they were going to be planning a big safari in, um, for, for our Asian team in, in South Africa. And, 
And where was I? I was headed to Pittsburgh. And then the next year was Portland. And mm -hmm. so that would be considered a step back. And um, what unfolded before my eyes is that um, those things become secondary. And really, um, when you're thinking about your purpose and how there are seasons in life and doors that open, and a lot of times when people are second guessing the risk, those, those seasons transition and those doors close. Mm -hmm. So when I say to young people, position yourself, be proactive in understanding who you are, what matters, and the things that you want to accomplish, because when opportunity comes, you want to be ready to move. Absolutely. That's, that's really good advice. And you have been at, at USGBC for some time now. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the things that you're most proud of accomplishing in your work life generally or at GBC. I mean, it could be anything more personal, like mentoring people or things like that, or, or more professional specific roles or, or activities. Um, I think uh, there's so many avenues to that, but I think one of the things that I'm most proud about is being able to represent um, I am a product of a women's college and I feel strongly about, um, and I'm also the third generation of just strong female women family members. And so when I think about on my parental side, I mean, on my um, paternal side, my dad, um, his father, they were all pastors and ministers and in the rural South. And his generation, all of his brothers did the same thing as well. They all went into ministry. And um, women weren't really allowed to take that journey. And now what we're seeing in my generation is that most of the ministers that come from our family are the women. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times in the past, women were strong in the black church. We supported, we fundraised, um, we um, beat out the numbers there, but we were never given the opportunity to lead. And so in this next generation, you're seeing a whole generation of women that are leading even in church. And so for me, I think what I'm most proud about is the work that I do at the Green Building Council allows me to activate my personal ministry because I believe in this time that ministry is more effective outside of the full walls of the faith institutions and ministry happens every single day. And working at the Green Building Council, they gave me the opportunity to be a movement builder to put people at the center of the platforms and the work that we build every single day. And so Green Building Council gave me an opportunity to take my personal skills, my personal passion, and um, creating environments that heal people, that celebrate their individuality, that really allows them to peel back those covered places that through life, through experience, you kind of have to, you know, put a Band-Aid on it and keep moving and keep that strong upper chin. And we want the ability for people to deal with those hurting places and spaces and to be able to heal those and to be able to work towards making sure that someone else doesn't have that same experience. Mm 
And so being at the Green Building Council, being able to put people back into the center of the work and be able to highlight how healing sustainability is to people first, to building systems, to community. Now mm -hmm. we're moving to the community, the city scale. It allows me to bring all of these ideals together. And so once again, figuring out how I can still be Kimberly, the spiritual person, but also be ambitious and work hard in my work. What a beautiful way to say, if I'm going to be all about building movements, building community, building people, I can bring these same concepts and foundational ideals to my workplace. And it's all about respecting people, allowing them to be heard, being inclusive, inviting all voices to the table, you know, amplifying and supporting folks' works. You know, it just, there've been so many different ways and avenues in which I've seen, seen a gap and have been able to build community around raising up those issues and providing a space for healing. And so I think that is my, my most proudest moment is realizing once I got an executive coach, which the Green Building Council got for me, that, that coach said to me, don't separate any of those spaces. The measurements of your success can be, um, instituted in all of these areas and so that's what I did I focused on people first mm -hmm. building community building platforms for people to share and learn from each other across culture you know across um, various educational backgrounds mm -hmm. you know that was the ability and so um, that's I think my most proudest accomplishment yeah. and when I brought Desmond Tutu <laughs> to be a um, keynote speaker at Greenville folks are like why is the Archdiocese Pat Bishop a keynote speaker for a Green Building Conference <laughs> and um, one of our most highly rated keynotes in the in the 17 years that's right and I will tell you that nobody was asking that question after they heard him. Yeah. Not yeah. a single person. In fact, most of us were in tears. I can, at least the people in my row were, it was amazing. Um, absolutely. Amazing. But his message is human rights. Yes. And people back into the center. And isn't that what we do every single day when you, I always tell folks, you literally have the power and it's, it is who you are to design, build and operate the future places where we live, work, and play. Like there's so much power in the hands of our members. And you can decide whether that builds or fragments or destroys. What right. better way to set your journey? For sure. I mean, that whole notion of centering people and healing in whatever part of this industry you work in um, is to me incredibly powerful. Um, I, I I, there's so many things that you have built and created and touched at, at the Green Building Council that I wanted to ask about. I don't know which one to go with, but um, I just, you know, because like the, the Equity Summit just recently happened, so maybe it's best to talk about that. But there's also the Women in Green Leadership Platform, which of course I'm a little partial to because it has the same name as my book. Yes. Um, and then Shiro's too, which is another amazing program toward sort of highlighting 
amazing leadership around the world. So is there something you're working on now of those three or other things that you would like to kind of call out or highlight for us or for our listeners? It's so many things to highlight. I'll first start with Women in Green and wanted to shout out, I mean, Kira, we, we put that name in because you first started this off. I'll never forget when we did the master speaker series in 2005, when we were in Atlanta, the center of really, I'd say the seat of the civil rights movement, understanding inclusivity, diversity, equity, you know, justice, all of these pieces and opening up with the, the book that celebrated these leaders. What I wanted to be sure of is we're not in the business of recreating new things. What I wanna do is be able to say, here's a way to institutionalize at USGBC, which, which represents the green building movement, these women leaders who have really paved the way. And we were seeing some shifts where um, for such a, uh, such a young organization, we were seeing some of our founding leaders passing on and mm -hmm. didn't wanna lose that history didn't want to feel like we waited to, you know, a death to celebrate someone's life. And so what, how do we build a platform that can recognize that journey and mm -hmm. really celebrate leadership? And then people are like the ability to mentor a new generation. And I say in this season and time, there's some kick-ass women out there. We shouldn't just be mentoring. We have the ability now to sponsor young leaders mm -hmm. through our influence, through all of the success that our women have built up globally. How do we put the responsibility back on our leaders to be intentional about with their own ability, setting a next young female leader in the pathway? And as I say, if someone sponsors you, ladies, show up strong <laughs> and deliver. And we know they're hungry. And then getting back to the risk, as I say, the time when I jumped into the sustainability world, I had already charted my corporate journey and moving to nonprofit and to this, you know, we, I think there were less, less than 10 staff members. I think I'm number eight. Um, coming there, it was like, the ability to think that um, that's a failure. And you know what? I was just like, I'm willing to take it if they're gonna give me the ability to build something, to be a part of being able to shape the right foundation that speaks to the values and the mission of the organization. And so accelerating the ability for young, young leaders to take risks, fail fast, whatever, but feel like they can build, that's one of the three elements of why we um, moved forward with establishing a platform around women in green mm -hmm. and um, giving the ability for local leaders to define that according to their local market, their members, their partners, their organizations, but really saying we're going to be intentional about, about um, transparency and if we say you know mama bahati said last year ladies you need to mentor three african-american women well at this platform we're going to go back how are you doing with that <laughs> we have we've been able to accomplish it what's happening across our eight regions which happening u.s wise what's happening globally across some of our other regions so 
it's been quite a journey. I think a lot of our young women are um, having the ability to leapfrog. As I said, what is this pandemic um, offered all of us? And I've been saying it over again, it's the inability to return back to the old. That is the most powerful, I think, that from the pandemic to now some of the social unrest that we are experiencing that has always been there. And now we have the ability with things layered on to no longer fall back into our comfort zone. And so what inspires me the most is seeing young leaders that are actively on the ground working, moving, advocating, speaking up, all the things that the Women in Green movement push forward in themes, health and wellness, be courageous, use your voice, speak up, let's fight for the power of our democracy. Who needs that more than right now? I say in this, in this crisis, our female leaders are under fire. We pushed them to run for office in 2016. Their cities have been under fire. They've been criticized on both sides. I'm like, women, we need to stand up and support each other through good and through bad. So having the ability to send that message, to share it, to leverage it, to amplify it, I'm most proud about that. That is a very good thing to be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know about this, the, the commitment around mentoring three African-American women. I think that's, that's so, I, I love that as like a real like concrete commitment that people can take and, and that the platform can do that. It's, um, it's super cool. I'm, I'm so awed by it. Um, so thank you for all of that. I think you brought it up earlier when you said access. When I think about building relationships and creating my professional journey, some folks have had access handed to them. It's through family. It's through, you know, those relationships. Other folks have been scraping and scrappling to move forward. What better way when we have the ability to be able to bring the, bring folks together and to create and open doors for folks that wouldn't have that opportunity. And I think Mama Bahati said, if we were all intentional individually, we would begin to see the scale shifting and being able to build scale for having a more diverse and inclusive sustainability community. Yeah, yeah. so, okay, so I wanna ask you a little bit about this community and a couple of things that you want to see. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about um, that you, I know you have some thoughts on is around volunteer work in our community and um, what, what we need to do to, uh, in regards to inclusivity about volunteerism. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and sort of, I mean, I think I've, I've certainly had my, my hours of volunteer time with the USGBC. Um, so I, I, it really resonated with me that what you're thinking about in that realm. Well, it's interesting. We just um, launched our equity summit, but um, even before we launched our equity summit to really chart um, what is the role of the green building community, because we know USGBC and its market transformation tools have been for leadership, the top 20%. 
And we know when we're talking about this inclusive, equitable space, it's all the other building infrastructure stack. <laughs> and so, um, but I do want to say that I was given the ability to volunteer in other or nonprofits as a board member. And I had the ability to sit on Groundswell's board and they're all about democratizing energy and really looking at building community power. And so when I talk about there's an abundance of wealth out there, when we think about um, empowering people with tools, with, um, I would say the credentials, the training, the knowledge, the information, the financial relationships, like speaking up, helping people to come to the table for support. I think the biggest space is here's a season where folks are reaching out and they're looking for support. And whereas we usually come to USGBC that focuses on building that top 20% space, I'm saying we need to look at other organizations that need help in building their capacity. NOMA is stepping forward. Like we wanna make sure that, that every, every minority student coming out of um, university should have already stood for their exam. You know, lead GA, lead AP, it, it, it should be instituted. Let's look at the HBCUs. Mm -hmm. um, looking at uh, folks are, you know, I was just talking to Denise Fairchild in Emerald Cities. And how do we get um, a contractor workforce trained? Like, it's just there's so many folks that are looking at um how we can leverage our relationships and how we can leverage our tool to really advance a um, value change procurement chain revolution so that we can be focused on supporting minority small women business owners in this journey and opening up the ability and the pipeline for new relationships to be built. And that's really much, that's really how USGBC built this, this clean energy economy for folks coming to our chapter meetings, looking and seeing what's the next project or the next, um, what's coming down the pipeline, volunteering, connecting in, building those relationships where, you know, you brought this consultant in, you bring them in for all your work. We need to create that open door policy for diverse communities as well. So one of the the things that Groundswell offered me is how do we convene stakeholders and bring them in differently and make them the center of the projects and the development that's happening. And so we know community engagement is longstanding. It can be a challenge, but if folks are brought in in the beginning, they can be sold in that process and journey. So their whole space is empowering voices, empowering people, whether it's through clean energy economy, community solar, other ways to package um, democratizing energy and allowing people to use, um, I would say their collective pow power through numbers to be able to negotiate on behalf of local needs and priorities. Yeah, um, I, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm 
really interested to see how we can collectively start spreading those practices for their community. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. One specific question I wanted to ask you about volunteering. USGBC has a ton of volunteers who do, who do work to help the intellectual sort of uh, process of the council proceed. How do you think that that is going to evolve over time? Um, with just the, that sort of that way of working. And I ask that specifically because of a lot of conversations that have been happening more recently in the larger sort of media sphere about volunteer labor and the privilege of being able to, you know, spend that time, yeah. um, all of that. What do you see happening? Well, I think that's going to be a part of this equity conversation. You know, when we think about, um, why we've been a more insular community is having the privilege to give of that time. And as we start thinking about evolving our systems and structures that will be um, more inclusive, that governance structure is going to have to be um, redefined. And it really is making sure that we're not like other big environmental organizations where we keep the funding and don't share the wealth. And so I do feel like um, that system and structure will be um, looked at mm-hmm. in the next year for the roadmap so that we will invite more leaders to the table to help co-create that more equitable roadmap. And that means valuing their time and um, writing them into grants and it being a pay structure opportunity, what that could look like. So all of that will be um, looked at in this, in this roadmap move forward as we continue to listen and learn. Because everyone is like, oh, Kimberly, you're coming to me for more free stuff. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> what I don't want to do, and I will say this, because, you know, it was a challenge for us. And this is something here where... Um, you know, we hosted the president and um, at Greenbuilds, and then I had Mama Bahati, who's a key environmental justice leader and social justice leader all across the rural South, educating um, um, young women, young leaders, and being a huge environmental justice advocate for 40 to 50 years, and I struggled to be able to pay her honorarium on the same stage a couple of hours after our president. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a hard job. It's a hard job. Um, so I want to say to you, like you talk about things that should be said that shouldn't be, I think valuing what folks offer and making sure that, um, that they don't have to defend that wrote that journey, that it should be something that's already assumed that's valued is important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a huge one. And it's it's important even at like the sort of project level, rather than inviting people to come in on the community engagement side for free, making sure that all of that is fully compensated in the proper way that a project should be compensating its consultants and its players. I think that's really a big deal. Well, it's one of the conversations that I just had with our Keepers of the Hearts who moderated our first equity summit. Mm -hmm. And it really is about, they were, they were very, how do I say it? They were very clear that um, 
Kimberly, the next move should not happen until we have a more diverse volunteer community to support the ideas that are coming forward. Mm -hmm. And we should not be like other big environmental organizations of the past that, um, as you say, has, has shifted with those key buzzwords. Lindsay, if you remember, we used to say, Bill Green, everyone profits. Then, you know, sustainability was the key word. Then it became resilience. You know, let's fund resilience. Then after that, what was the next key buzzword? Health and wellness. Let's throw the funding in that way. Now it's equity, you know, is the new exciting space that everyone wants to be in, but it's the same programs (laughs) just being thrown, asking for funding under a new header. And we can't, as they say, equity wash what's next. It's, it can't be token, it can't be because it's the buzzword, but it needs to be authentically because it's at the heart from top down to bottom up and to what the market wants to recognize and see. And what better way that USGBC has always been able to do it by calling for the leaders to step up and celebrate them. Once the first step up, everyone else kind of follows. Yep. Well, that is actually a really good note to end on. Perfect. Uh, I, <laughs> I think I think it's uh, something we want to leave everybody with to to you know to to think about what that means to to not equity wash um, the work that is to come and um, and to to uh, you know work on and meditate on what it looks like to make our community. Um, a more diverse community, which in my opinion, honestly, means sort of redefining <laughs> our community in general. Uh, but that's all, we, we, we're out of time, so we'll have to leave it at that. Um, so thank you, Kimberly. This has been awesome. We really, it's inspiring and uh, uplifting to hear uh, you talk about all of this work. So thanks for giving that to us. I'm so appreciative. Can't believe I'm on a podcast with you all. Very <laughs> excited. And shout out to um, my my church family that is really, you know, coming out of this COVID um, time as African-American-centered community, struggling to still be the center of nurturing lives. And shout out to my green building community that allows me to serve every single day. Thank you, Lindsay and Kira. Thanks. That is a wonderful note. Thanks, Kimberly, to uh, to end us on uh, today. So, yeah, with that, um, we are wrapped up for the day. Uh, thanks again to Acuity for hosting, to you all, our listeners, uh, to everyone paying attention to these important issues in our community. Please leave us a review on Apple. It really matters, and it helps people find us. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>